0: Welcome to Outside Ourselves, a podcast featuring conversations that remind us faith isn't something we do, it's something we receive. I'm Kelsey Clumbera. I'm happy to be back here with you uh, after about a month's break because of the holidays and really looking forward to bringing you this first conversation of 2023. Today I am chatting with my friend, my coworker. Chad Bird. Chad is a 1517 scholar in residence. He is the author of numerous books and he is on his way quickly to becoming TikTok famous, which we talk about a little bit in today's conversation. In his most recent book, which is entitled Limping with God, Chad chronicles the life and the faith of Old Testament father Jacob. So I thought it would be good today to talk about the faith of the old testament fathers in general and then delve specifically into the life and the person of jacob chad brings us a word of comfort a word of truth and a word that is centered on the good news of christ's work for you let's go ahead and get started chad thank you so much for being here welcome to outside ourselves yeah
1: thanks kelsey it's good to yeah, see you good to see you too and not, not just hear you, having but actually you see you. Yeah. Which is Oh yeah. Cool.
0: We were we were having tons of <laughs> audio issues Yo, earlier. Yeah. So we think we got them resolved. We're all all set to go. Yeah, I, um, think, I
1: think we did. I always say technology is great when it works. <laughs>
0: when it when works. When it works, it's great. Yes. Yeah.
1: But here we are. So yeah. I'm looking yeah. forward to the conversation.
0: Um do you want to just give us a little bit of info on who you are, what you do? Um, for those few people who might be tuning in who have, have not been introduced to you and your work yet.
1: Yeah, I'll give you my, my my typical line when I tell people what I do. I say, uh, I get paid to talk about Jesus with an Old Testament accent. <laughs> that's, that's basically what I, that's awesome. what I do. Uh, so I, I work for 1517, uh, along with you, of course. And uh, I'm what I'm yeah. they call a scholar in residence, but I, I tell everybody what that really means is I, I produce content. So I. Uh, I write about a book a year and uh produce short videos longer videos uh articles and then podcast and travel around speaking about the old testament here and there so that uh is enough to keep me keep me very busy but i i love doing it uh uh, i love talking about any aspect of the old testament uh especially kind of where we're gravitating today with with kind of the genesis material That's that's where I Hmm. that's where I I love to be in the in the Torahs for the first five books and then in the Psalms. You know, if you were to like to to ask me where do you really want to where do you where do you want to be in the Old Testament, it's usually one of those two places. So, looking forward to talking about some some Abraham and some Jacob and some other uh, good stuff today. Yeah,
0: yeah. And when you say that you produce content for fifteen seventeen, people should know you produce the most content for (laughs) fifteen seventeen because you're, I think. When you say like a few videos, you have like a video a week. You have two, po- two podcasts.
1: Yeah, yeah, what well, that are ongoing. Yeah, uh, Eric, uh, yeah, Eric Sorensen and Dan Price, and I did that one, uh, a field guide to the Bible, a couple of years ago, a survey That's of the right. a, a whole Old and New Testament. So that one's kind of a you know, it's it's there. It's not being added to or anything. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I do uh, forty minutes in the Old Testament. Uh, been doing that for a lot of years now. I think Dan and I started that back in two thousand. 15 yeah so a lot of years uh, I always tell everybody so we're we Genesis and now we're second Kings so I've mapped it out to where it's my job security I, I re- <laughs> I'll retire when we get to the end of Malachi. <laughs> Which I'll probably be retirement age by the time we get there yeah but, uh, we do that it'll be perfect yeah'll it be perfect and then uh, uh hidden streams is uh, uh, a podcast that That's yeah right. I'm involved in so I just love the chance to to spread the gospel in all these various places. I mean, everywhere from like face to face, speaking in places to TikTok videos, which is kind of a new thing that I've been doing. To yes. uh, to writing yeah. the books. So yeah, yeah, keeps me occupied.
0: Yeah, I've been meaning to ask you, how is the TikTok thing going? I know because you you're posting these. They're basically Instagram reels or yeah. TikTok videos, right, and you right. post them to both places. Have you had much like uh one-on-one conversation with people because of that um yeah actually do you feel like it's an effective way to i guess get get the gospel out
1: yeah so uh i always have to give credit where credit is due so you no one would have ever seen my tiktok were it not for uh for stacy my wife uh she uh she, she i don't know it was probably earlier in 2022 i'm guessing maybe early in the year she said hey uh well, she was, she was, she was researching TikTok because she wanted to have all her ducks in a row before she like brought it up to me because she knew I'd have questions. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like looking at what all you could do with TikTok. And uh, so when she first said, Hey, uh, I think you should start a TikTok channel. I'm like, why would I do that? <laughs> I had a very shallow impression of what TikTok was. I thought it was, you know, yeah, people a lot younger than me singing and dancing and, you know, making kind of silly videos. And there's plenty of that on there. She yeah. said, no, 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 listen, there's, there's TikTok videos on everything, whether you're an auto mechanic or whether you're uh, a dental hygienist is what she, which is what she was doing at the time, or whether you're an old Testament guy. So I said, all right, I'll mm-hmm. think about it. Anyway, uh, that's why I started it. And it's been great. Uh, it's, it's probably strangely. It has been the format that has taken off the fastest for me, of all the social media oh, wow. platforms, and it is by okay. far the, I guess, the easiest one for me to maneuver. So I can I can do a mm-hmm. video. I can begin and end a video in, like, from the time I start the video to the time it's posted, fifteen twenty minutes usually, which wow. you know that that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, uh, once you kind of figure out the the app and the system and all that, it's not it's not it doesn't yeah. take a long time. I mean, if it's something I've already, you know, studied and and, and taught about, then I don't have to do any kind of research. I just kind of put it out there. But uh, so what's been surprising is I have had um, a lot of people connect with me because of TikTok. In fact, uh, I I spoke in, uh, I think it was Dallas, your neck of the woods, uh, a few
0: Mm -hmm. months ago.
1: And I just thought maybe a week beforehand, I thought, well, I should put out a TikTok video where in case anybody's in the DFW area, then they can join me. Uh, for this presentation I'm doing yeah and sure enough there were uh, I don't know four or five people that showed up that were there only because they That's had amazing. heard yeah heard about it on TikTok and I've had other experiences like that as well so it's been great uh you know it gives me a chance all the videos are around 90 seconds that way I can yeah I can triple post basically TikTok Instagram Facebook and it's 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 I don't know just a great video format for uh if you got something real quick you want to say just kind of brief kind of you know, make your point and then let everybody be on to their next video. So it's been overall a positive yeah. experience for me.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. It's such a great tool for people to be able to kind of dip their toes into yeah. what you're so good at. And I think, you know, start to ask themselves or ask you on those platforms, questions, deeper questions that, um, that are important and probably are, are questions that they maybe haven't asked before. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's, that's great. Well, I, I always love seeing them. I feel like I've <laughs> tried to do like one reel and it is definitely not taken me 15 <laughs> to 20 minutes what? and no, and none of those have seen the light of day yet. So <laughs> know that you're, it's also, you're very good at it. You've figured it out oh, and thanks. you do an amazing job. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, let's, let's go ahead. Let's get started into what we're, we're here to talk sure. about today. Um. I wanted to ask you just up front if you could kind of give us uh, a definition and kind of parameters for who we are, who exactly we're speaking about when we speak about the Old Testament fathers. Um, Because I actually was preparing and realized that I wasn't exactly sure on a couple of people where they they landed. So um, who who falls into that category?
1: Yeah, so typically when we talk about the Old Testament fathers, we're talking about the patriarchs. Uh, so Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's all Genesis characters. I mean, although, I mean, you could certainly stretch that out farther. You could be talking about, for instance, Joshua, or maybe some of the judges, or even into the Kings, David. But typically when we're talking about the faith of the Old Testament fathers, we mean the patriarchs, or you can even include the yeah. patriarchs and matriarchs there. So uh, yeah, kind of the, the, the famous trio, Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob, grandfather, father, father, and son there uh, yeah, who are, who are all three, at least two of them are, are all just, just fascinating characters. Uh, I wrote, uh, yes. I wrote my, my last book about Jacob limping with God. And, uh, I could write a book about Abraham kind of along the same line, just because we, I mean, we know a lot about these guys. I mean, for, for ancient people, we know quite a bit about them. Uh, especially Jacob, yeah. you know, we kind of get into the, the nitty gritty of their personal lives and, uh, the, the the biblical writer opens up the closet door and we see, peer at their skeletons, you know, that are, they're hiding in there. So, uh, it's, it's, it's fun to think about them and, uh, who they were, what they did and, you know, their, their struggles, their weaknesses, their, their failings, all those things that shed light on their, the humanity that they share with, share with us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that when we, a lot of times when we think about the and i know this is this is kind of how i grew up um when we think about the patriarchs or even just old testament figures and we think about their faith i think i would have i would say that i used to think about that faith as exemplary mm. because of what they did yeah uh because of because of their actions but that's not necessarily how we should define their faith you do a really good job i think of of um communicating that to people so can you kind of give us an overview of how scripture talks about the faith of of these patriarchs um and how it is different than or it's not placed in in what they do it's placed somewhere else
1: yeah yeah i mean that those are great points because i i do think we tend to they're sort of larger than life characters, right? You know, especially if you if yeah. you grew up in the church as I did, you know, you're uh, you're hearing about Abraham and what a great man of faith he was from the time that you mm-hmm. are, you, you know, your first years in Sunday school or VBS. And so over time, they do have kind of this larger than life uh, personality for you. I and mean, it's kind of like, I mean, not just, we don't do this just with biblical characters. We do this even with like the founding fathers of our nation, right? You know, we tend to, they're like right. these yeah. superhuman people. But then what happens is say, say you have a just kind of that larger than life uh, view of George Washington or Abraham Lincoln or whoever. Well, a, a lot of times what happens is say you start really digging into their life and you realize, oh, there's a lot more to this person. There's a lot of layers to them. And and we're only seeing one little side, and maybe it's the the, the bright, wonderful, accomplishing great things side, but there's a whole other side to this person. It's the same thing with the with the with the patriarchs. You know, Abraham, yeah, he was a great man of faith. Uh, but you gotta really, you kind of gotta finesse that. You know, did he do some great things? Sure, yeah. But you know, if you were Abraham himself, or maybe you were his wife Sarah, or his brother, or whoever, you would see all the various sides of Abraham, and you you would meet the Abraham you know who was uh who was grumpy, uh and uh or who had his you know he had his doubts. Or you, you read the biblical story, you you hear about this guy who not once but twice uh, concealed the fact. That Sarah was his was his wife uh, to save his own skin. Yeah. And both times, yeah. I mean, it wasn't just a lie, but it was a lie with repercussions because both times Sarah got taken in to the, the palace or the harem or whatever of these kings. So it wasn't just like a lie with with uh with no uh no repercussions or some pretty serious yeah. stuff. So, and that's just Abraham, Jacob's the same way. So when we're, when we're thinking about the faith of these guys, it, it's always faith, the same as our faith. Our faith is never a mirror kind of faith where I'm looking at the guy in the mirror and saying, oh, what a strong believer he is, you know, kind of a faith in faith. It's a faith is always, as, as this podcast is called, it's outside ourselves. A faith is directed yeah. to someone. And that someone, of course, is always Christ. And mm. therefore it's, you know, we talk about weak faith, strong faith, big faith, little faith. Uh, we like to to put adjectives in front of faith, but really faith is faith. You know, whether it's yeah. uh whether it's whether we hmm. perceive it to be strong or weak, whether we perceive it to be big or small, faith is just faith. Uh, because it's it's this it's this living connection that we have with the one who is faithful. And because of his faithfulness, then we know that we're gonna be okay. Because, not because we believe, but because he is going to be, he's going to be faithful to us. So just, just yeah. like it was with them, so it is with us, you know, we can, we can put a lot of emphasis on faith, 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 uh, but ultimately it's the one who is faithful to us that should be the focus of our yeah. attention.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The object of, the object of our faith. Yeah. yeah that's, that's so good. Um, sp- as we are talking about that object though, there is, you know, there is a, a difference in the way that um, you could say there's a difference in the way that the patriarchs had faith in Christ who was yet to come in God's promises who uh, that were yet to be fulfilled. And then we have faith, you know, if you're going along this linear mm-hmm. uh, timeline, we have faith in Christ who has come and will come again. Does that change anything? How, how do we kind of reconcile those, I guess linear differences. Yeah,
1: you can kind of if you, you picture uh, history on this continuum, you know, this linear path from when the promise is first made in Genesis three fifteen to uh, the incarnation of Christ, and then finally to his his future coming. Yeah, there's there's different ways in which faith is uh, construed. I guess you could say uh, because yeah, all all the the people in the Old Testament their their faith is uh, is very much a forward look. Well. I was gonna say it's very much a forward looking faith. It is isn't. it is isn't. it isn't. So it is looking forward okay. to the fulfillment of the promises. But at the same time, mm-hmm. their faith is built upon the trustworthy promise that God gave in the past, if that makes sense. So, hmm. so God yeah. says, yeah. God says to Adam and Eve right after the fall, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put well, he actually says it to the serpent, which I kind of love. He's like talking to the serpent. It's gospel, but he's talking to the serpent. He's like, I'm gonna put in, in, in- enmity. Between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and he's gonna, it's gonna, he's gonna crush your head and you're gonna strike his heel. So, that promise of the coming seed, which was uttered in the past by a trustworthy God, that becomes the basis upon which the Israelites knew that they could trust, they could have faith in the fact that God would fulfill that. So, faith kind of Mm. is a, it's looking forward and backward. It's looking backward. Even the old husband's looking yeah. backward to the promise made and then forward to when that promise is going to be fulfilled. And in 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 a way, we're kind of like that because we look back to everything yeah. that Christ has done, but we also have mm-hmm. faith, we trust in his promise to to come again on on the last day. Yeah. But but I mean there is still you know, a difference. I mean, they they didn't know as much as we know as far as what Christ was going to do. Uh, you know, even the disciples themselves, after all those years of, of, of learning for Jesus, they were still a bit fuzzy about things. So we, we can't expect yeah. the old Testament people, you know, to, to have this, this grandiose, uh, uh theological understanding of who the Messiah was going to be. None of them did. I mean, they all, they all had some pretty serious gaps in their knowledge, which was fine. I mean, none of us have a perfect knowledge of Jesus. We're all incomplete in a way. But as long as we're, we're trusting in him, just like they were trusting in him, then we have the faith that that saves.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I haven't ever, I guess I haven't ever made that connection of almost, it's almost like a, a sand, like a faith sandwich that we're all kind of in in between, um, we're in the middle and Christ and his work is surrounding us in the past and in, in the, in the present and in, in the future, um. So I guess I don't know if it's a sandwich thing because he is working with <laughs> too. But
1: At, we'll, I like we'll the, run with the metaphor. I like the metaphor. metaphor. We'll run with yeah, it. Yeah, that's good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Um, we actually read a lot about Abraham's faith, in particular in the New Testament. Um, he's he's brought up by Paul, by the author of Hebrews. Hebrews, yeah. um is there anything in particular I know you've already kind of talked about him a little bit but in particular uh maybe especially out of those passages I think it's Hebrews 11 and Roman maybe Romans 4 mm-hmm. um that that we can kind of that can kind of help us in our understanding of how um God gifts us faith anything that you think is important for people to, to note
1: yeah uh so Abraham's faith is talked about a couple a couple different ways, actually more than a couple. But so Paul, for instance, in Romans is making a pretty big deal about the fact that, for instance, Abraham believed before he was circumcised. So he he points to the mm. fact that his his faith yeah. comes before co- the circumcision of the covenant, and all those things that that implies. So one of the things that, that Paul wants to drive home is the fact that Abraham believed and it was reckoned him as righteousness apart from works. Which, of course, is kind of what the definition of faith is. If It's not a faith, yeah. a, a working faith in the sense that faith is a work that we somehow give to God and are thereby justified. Even though that, I think that is a, it's kind of a, a pretty widespread uh, misunderstanding that people have. Yeah, You know, my faith totally. is is, Absolutely. is my work. And you even have a language like, how are you say Why are you saved? Because of my faith. Yeah. No, no. Your faith wasn't up on the cross. <laughs> Jesus was up yeah. on the cross. So there is kind of that yeah. misunderstanding sometimes. Now, I love what Hebrews 11 does with it, because he talks about how Abraham went forth not knowing where he was going. And he was looking for this city that has mm-hmm. foundations. So there is this element about faith where it's like a, a, there, there's a certain blindness to faith and so, that you can't really you can't see. That which you believe in. It's the same thing Jesus said to Thomas, right? Mm. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have yet have believed. So I, this is I people probably get tired of me using this quote, but I, I think it's perfect. I use it all the time. I, I took it from one of my profs, Ken Corby, who probably stole it from Martin Luther. But anyway, whoever originally said it, <laughs> he said, to see the work of God, you pluck out your eyeballs and stick them in your ears. now what he meant mm-hmm. by that is that to see how God is at work, you don't look you listen so you're seeing mm. out your ears basically you're understanding your reality based upon what god has said in his word instead of what you see in front of you because very often what you see in yeah. front of you is going to contradict what god has promised and abraham and sarah yeah. that's a, i mean what a great what a great example of that uh, yeah. i mean they're both super old well not i shouldn't say super old they're both, they're both Super old when it comes to having a kid, you know. Uh the older I get, like 65 is like, ah, it's not that old, you know. (laughs) They're they're
0: they're in their prime. They're in their prime. prime.
1: (laughs) So yeah, you got these two people who are well, well past the age of having kids. Uh, and yet God says, You're gonna have kids or you're gonna have a son. And then they wait, they wait, and they wait, and they wait, and they wait. I mean, they wait no twenty-five years before Isaac is finally born. Now, everything that they saw. You know, if they were able to stand in front of a mirror and look at their old wrinkled body, <laughs> you're like, we're not making a kid. This is, get, this is not going to happen. Yeah. So they had to view yeah. reality through their ears. They had, to, they had to trust in what the creator of heaven and earth, who brought everything out of nothing, had said to them. Trust that from the, the nothingness, the deadness of their own bodies, like Paul talks about, life would come forth. Uh, so yeah. in that way the birth of Isaac is, is a, is a type of the resurrection, just like Christ came out of the death of the tomb alive again. So Isaac comes forth from this dead womb of Sarah, uh, as, as a living, as a living child. So that element of kind of the blindness of faith, looking out your ears, that's a huge part of, of Abraham's story. And I mean, talk about contemporary. I mean, that's, there, that is a, that's an undying truth that all of us readily understand. That 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 trust in Christ, mm-hmm. because I mean, so many aspects of our lives just scream that which is contrary to what God has has promised. You know, <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, you can you can just come up with a myriad of examples about how you know there's turmoil in our lives, or we're we're going through a terrible terrible uh, season in life, or the world is falling around uh, around apart around us, or. Yeah. All these things are happening. And God comes along and he says, it's all good. It's yeah. all fine. Yeah. I love you. You're, you're forgiven. And so there's this dissonance between what our eyes see and what our ears hear from uh, from God. And so that is that ongoing contemporary, contemporary aspect of, of Abraham's life that applies to us today.
0: I think it's interesting, too, that even though there's this dissonance um god continually backs up his promises from the from the moment he he makes that promise like you talked about in genesis he and i'm like i learned this from from you and i think uh mainly just listening to you and Dan on 40 minutes how god proves he's trustworthy um he doesn't just say like believe me i'm trustworthy mm-hmm. and that's the end of it right. like he proves it over and over again. So there is still this, um, this part of, of faith that kind of catches us when we feel like, well, what is happening? Where is he telling me to look? Mm -hmm. He's telling me, telling us to look like we've said over and over again already to Christ, because Christ is the one that is proving that true. I don't know. There's something there that's, that's interesting, um, to me and kind of stands in the face of, of people, uh, rolling their eyes that Christian, the Christian faith is blind faith mm-hmm. or it's yes, like yes. Uh, faith in a fairy tale.
1: Right. Yeah. And one of the ways the old Testament, uh, to kind of go outside of Genesis, one of the ways that the old Testament is always affirming the, the, the truth, what you just said is it'll harken back to what God has done in the past. Not just what, not just yeah. what he He promised, even though that's important, but what he did. And uh, the, the yeah. Psalms are full of this. So the psalmist sometimes will be lamenting, like, I mean, I'm just, I'm kind of putting words in his mouth, but like, you know, oh, my life is so terrible. You know, everybody hates me. <laughs> my, my dog died, you know, my truck broke down my life was just in shambles. And, but then there'll be this transition. It'll be like, but I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I'll think back mm-hmm. to what he did in times mm-hmm. of old and uh, almost all the time. What they'll do is they'll think back to the Exodus like, oh, yeah, but God brought our fathers out of Egypt, but God brought our fathers to the Red Sea, but God brought our fathers all the way to the promised land. So they'll think back, of course, to the promises of God, but to the the, the yeah. promise keeping God, they actually did this yeah. stuff for his people. Uh, and for me, that man, that's a that's a tremendous comfort, too, in our, in our own lives, you know, because when when I'm in that place, like, woe is me. Uh all this terrible stuff is happening. You know, is God has God forgotten to be gracious, as one of the Psalms says, you know, as has he has he changed? Is he is he no longer for us? I think, wait, wait, just a minute. He sent Jesus. I mean, he he's he's done all of these wonderful things for me in Christ. And not just in that way, but also in my own life, he's done all these wonderful things for yeah. me in the past. So you kind of gotta, you gotta borrow light from the past when your present mm-hmm. is cloaked in darkness uh you gotta you gotta mm-hmm. think back to when that that sun of grace was shining really brightly in your life in those times when it you know you're looking around and all you feel like you have is just night all around you because the psalmist do that and it's just it's it's a great way of coping with all of the the pitfalls of life uh yeah you know, you know if, for me, it's, it's been so crucial these last six months, uh, yeah. with, with our losses to, to think beyond, <laughs> beyond those six months to all the times that God has been so good and gracious to us in the past. And then to, to kind of, to lean on that, to know that sucky like he got us, you know, through hard times in the past, he's going to get us through, through this as well. So yeah, that's, uh, that's all over the old Testament and it just, it's mapped all over our own lives as well.
0: You are, you are a testament to that. I think Um, for sure this, this past year, um, just, just how you have, have, has, have spoken that. Um, Sorry. Oh my goodness. Uh, I I know that you've had a, you've had a Mm -hmm. tough year, Chad. And um, yeah, I think to see how we're all going to respond, differently and suffering and, and that's important to remember, but to see how you and, and Stacy have stood and spoken that truth. Um, even when I know that you're not probably feeling great is, has been really amazing to witness. Yeah. So thank you for, yeah. for sharing that with, with everyone.
1: Yeah. Thank you. It's a, yeah, it's a, I mean, I, so I decided early on, uh, after, after Luke's death, after our son's death that, uh, you know, it's, as much as I could emotionally handle it, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to, to honor his memory, I guess you could say, uh, by, by letting everyone know that, you know, in the midst of, in the midst of tragedy, the resurrection is still true. (laughs) It doesn't, uh, Jesus is still risen and, uh, no, no amount of Suffering, no amount of loss, no amount of death, no amount of pain and grief—even though those are all real things that we struggle with—is going to be able yeah. to cancel the 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 truthfulness of this, which isn't just true, but then just floods us with with hope and and consolation as well. And and I'm and I'm glad that God is to me the opportunity to do that, and glad that uh, I've I've been able to to do that because I I but well, people have told me that. It, it's been an encouragement to them. I've heard from a lot of people, a lot of parents who have lost yeah. their own, their own yeah. children or spouses. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of times what happens is someone in my position who is able to, to share a lot, what we end up doing is doing nothing more than actually speaking the words that other people kind of have on the inside, but they can't quite verbalize. I mean, I think authors mm, do that. Yeah. Speakers do that all the time. We don't say new things we just are able to say things in such a way that people hearing us will be like yeah that's exactly how i feel i just couldn't really put it into yeah. those words uh, so we're like reminding them of that which they already know or maybe telling them these things which are it's kind of hard to hard to to grapple with at the moment because the pain is so pain is so intense so anyway Going on tangent, but I'm no, thankful for. No, that's for the, not a tangent yeah, at all. Yeah, thankful uh, for. Yeah, the not at all. And for people who have. Yeah. You know, talk told me just how it's how it's helped them. I'm grateful for that opportunity.
0: Yeah, I know that it's impacted so many people and will continue to do so. So thank you for even sharing now. I I want to get a little bit into Jacob because, as you mentioned at the beginning, you've written a whole book on this one this one guy who is is kind of a finicky character um can you tell us a little bit about why you chose to write about him um because he isn't necessarily the guy in the old testament that we could even you know they all have their flaws but he's like the furthest guy <laughs> yeah, in a lot of yeah, ways yeah. from being able to finagle into a hero. So why why Jacob?
1: Yeah, Jacob is a lots of different reasons. Uh, I, I think when Dan and I went over his life in 40 minutes of the Old Testament, I kind of became uh, super interested in, in him as, just as a personality. And then, you know, I got to thinking, you know, in the biblical story, we know more about him than uh, most everybody else. I mean, we do know a lot about David, but say even David, we know nothing about David's life prior to when he's introduced to us when Samuel goes hmm. to anoint him. We don't know what he was like as a yeah. in his youngest days. Jacob, like we meet him. He's not even born yet. He's like in the womb yeah. wrestling with his brother. That's our first exposure to him. And then uh, we, we read about his birth. And then, yeah, a lot of years are skipped early on. But we know basically him from womb to tomb. We know him from the moment of he's hmm. conceived all the time until he is, uh, he's an old, old man in, in Egypt. So big span of life there, lots to, lots to work with. And if, as if that were not enough, he is, uh, he's arguably the most colorful character in the old Testament. Uh, you know, at times, uh, you can't stand him cause he's such a jerk and he's so egotistical.
0: <laughs> and, then,
1: and then at times you're like, you kind of feel sorry for him. You know, you like when he's in, when he's older and, uh, his sons trick him. They deceive the deceiver and, and yeah. make him think that Joseph has been torn to pieces by a wild animal. And you hear him say, you know, I'm going to, my gray hair is going to go down into, into Sheol." And it's like, Oh man, poor guy. You know? So, so anyway, he, he represents this whole range of, of, of emotions. And we know all these, these things that happen in his life. Uh, and he's just, you know, he, his family is a mess it's, it's, it's so dysfunctional he's he's making he's he's married basically to four women at the same time it's just like oh my yeah. goodness gracious now on top of all that Jacob is the uh basically the head of what we would call the old testament church <laughs> he's like mm-hmm. so i mean his family that's the nucleus of israel right so jacob his name is changed or he's given the additional name of israel and so you have israel he's at the head he's the patriarch of this family but This family is basically the Old Testament church and it is a, yeah, it's, it's, it's not perfect. It's, it's very imperfect. Uh, so again, that's kind of the contemporary nature of the Old Testament. You look, you read about these guys' lives, you see their personalities, their struggles, strengths, weaknesses, family problems, marital problems, kid problems. And you're like, wow, you know, turns out the most contemporary book in the, in the world is, is the Old Testament. Here's all of these, all of these people that are just, just, you know. Look around at, at myself, at my family, at your neighbors. It's it's all it's all still happening today.
0: Yeah. I I find it interesting when non Christians are like, Look at how terrible the Old Testament is and it's like, Yeah, look at how terrible the Old Testament is. That's <laughs> like like look at <laughs> that's, that's like exactly. Point, right? That's yeah. that's the point. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of people sinning all over the place just like just like today. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, has it changed? Yeah.
0: Do you have a favorite uh, story about Jacob? Because there are, there's so many. Do you have one or two that kind of are your favorite to tell or to teach?
1: Yeah. Uh, I guess. Well, it's kind of like, it, it's probably the most, one of those well-known episodes from his life, but uh, it does remain yeah. one of my favorites. The fact is where I got the, the title for the book limping with God. And that's when he yeah. has the, uh, uh, the struggle with uh, well it's called the man and uh, the the messenger as well as God. So all three different names for the same same person, which I think is the this is an appearance of the Son of God in the Old Testament. So I talk about how it's Jesus wrestling with Jesus is wrestling with, with Jacob in that episode. But yeah, yeah I, I love it because it I mean it you have you have Jacob down in the dirt, He's wrestling with uh, wrestling with the Son of God all night. And it's a scene like no the scene in the Old Testament, no other scene in, in, in the Bible itself. Uh, but and and then when Jacob emerges from this, he's limping. He's uh, he's, mm-hmm. he's 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 had his hip hip wrenched or something during the fight, and he he yeah. limps he limps away from this. So he walks away from this encounter with God, wounded. Um, and that way, he he's so representative of where where we are in, in much of our lives as well. We, uh, we walk away from a lot of our encounters, not like standing tall and striding forth victorious, but we're like, we're limping, we're crawling away because we've been weakened in order that we might begin to rely more on the strength of, of God rather than our own Mm. perceived strengths, whatever those might be yeah so I mean it's yeah. kind of the the whole uh when I'm weak then I'm strong thorn of the flesh kind of stuff that that paul that Paul yeah. talks about there in in that encounter.
0: I love that story too um, but I find it interesting that the man or jesus um you know I think there's it's the line that says they wrestled all night and the man couldn't overcome him mm-hmm. and then I think doesn't he turn to Jacob and say um you have overcome like you have basically like i give up
1: yeah you win kind of yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah how because fun fun and embarrassing fact i maybe wrote something very early in my this was like in college about that and completely i know misinterpreted that um probably saying something like i have overcome my struggles which is hilarious to anyone (laughs) who's not 21 years old um but I'm I, that still kind of sticks out to me. Like, why would, why would Jesus say something like that, uh, to Jacob there? What would be the, how does that fit in? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a great question. So, here's here's the way I kind of fit it into 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 the big story. So yeah, they're wrestling all night, and uh, and and at the end of it. When, when he won't let Jacob, when he won't let the messenger go, when Jacob won't let Jesus go, then he's going to give him a new name. So the name that he gives him, of course, is Yisrael, Israel, as we say it, but then he he explains it. He says, because you have, you have striven, fought, wrestled with God and man and have prevailed. So you're called Yisrael because you have Sarah, you have, that's a Hebrew verb there. You've wrestled or you fought Hmm. with God and man have prevailed. Okay. Now we all know, I mean, we all know, okay. If If a mortal is fighting God, or even even for those people who think it's an angel, okay, all right, whatever. <laughs> for a mortal to fight an angel, for a mortal to fight Jesus, there's no way the mortal's winning. I mean, it's just it's not happening. The only right. way that the mortal, yes. in this case Jacob wins is by God letting him win. okay? Right? So God lets Jacob win, and not only that, but he gives him this incredible name, Yes is Israel, Godfighter, basically. Now, what I the way I like to explain this is, <clears throat> this, this is all by grace. This is all mercy. God lets this human being win the fight against him, and as if that's not enough, He actually gives him a prize. He says, "Here, here's a great name. You're the Godfighter. You're Israel." Now, the way I explain that is, I say that episode is a is like a a keyhole, and if you look through that keyhole of that story, what you see in the other room. Is the crucifixion of Jesus. Because that is mm-hmm. that is the only that that episode is kind of a window this keyhole into what is to come. When Jesus doesn't come for like one night of being a, a human being so he can wrestle with Jacob, but he becomes everlastingly a human being in his incarnation. And then what happens finally? Well, Israel along with the gentiles, they get their hands on him. And what do they do? Well, they they struggle, they wrestle, and they end up pinning him to the cross. They crucify mm. him. And all this time, Jesus could have called on his father to send myriads of angels to his rescue. Yeah. He doesn't do it. He lets humanity win. And yeah. not only that, but he bestows on us all of his gifts of grace and mercy. He calls us Christian. He calls us children of God. Mm. And in that way, what happens when Jacob wrestles? Is this preview of the incarnation, the ministry, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the adoption of us as his as his people? So it's a it's a testimony to uh, to the just dis- the mercy and the grace of God that He is yeah. able to get down in the dirt with us, to wrestle with us, to let us win, and then to give us this wonderful gift on top of on top of all of it. Even though Jacob was That's undeserving, amazing. we're undeserving as as well. So many times that, yeah. that story is used to be like, you got to wrestle with God in prayer. You've got to, you got to give it all yes. you got. You know, it's so, we're <laughs> yeah. making about it, Absolutely. make it about ourselves. Like, <laughs> be like Jacob and really wrestle with God and he'll give you what you, oh, come on. It was, it was just, yeah. it was all gift. It was all, it was yeah. all mercy. That's all it was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. That's very helpful. I don't think I realize, or I don't think I knew Israel means God fighter. Yeah. Until just now. Yeah. What an amazing name in in more ways than one.
1: Yeah. Uh, yes.
0: Because they were always the, you know, Israel was always fighting. God. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's it's a wonderful name. I mean, uh it uh, the Israelites were the were the godfighters. So, yeah, I mean they yeah. It originated there, and then yeah, there's all this. There's kind of a a, a, a multi valence to it. It Has all these kind of multiple implications, some positive, some negative.
0: One thing that I would love for you to talk a little bit about, I caught this in limping with God, is um, your your chapter on the stairway to heaven. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of, you bring in some interesting information about how that would have traditionally been understood in Jewish tradition. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of give us a summary of that? Cause I think it's really interesting and something I, I don't think I had heard before.
1: Yeah, uh, it is. It is. It's a fascinating text uh, because, as, because of the way it relates in the old Testament itself and to the ancient near East, as well as even into some Jewish interpretive traditions about it into the, into the first century. So basically what you're looking at here is so this is jacob is is asleep he has his dream he sees the yeah. the sulam in hebrew which is usually translated as stairway sometimes people call it a ladder it's not really a ladder it's a stairway uh stairway to heaven
0: and this is just a this is before the um he wrestles with god yes. this is like a different scene yeah. right? just to clarify yeah in fact
1: people. it's kind yeah. of a it's kind of a, the the bookend so the first bookend so this happens right okay. when he's leaving for exile. So he's alone with God. Mm-hmm. God appears to him and speaks to him when he's leaving. And then when he gets back after the 20-year exile, once more, he's alone. God appears to him, and God speaks with him, but he also fights with him. So this is kind of the, the A of the B of those, those two parts. So uh, he's a, he has this vision, the stairway, the angels are ascending and descending on it, and then God appears to him. And I would argue that Hebrews should be translated, God is standing, not Above it, meaning at the top of the stairway, but beside him, uh, the Hebrew presi- hmm. the Hebrew prepositional phrase used there, "alav," can be translated either way accurately. So I think that the, the narrative kind of suggests that God isn't like way up there, but he's like right down there by Jacob talking to him. But either way, hmm. what's what's happening there is 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 this. So in uh, in the ancient Near East, they had what were called ziggurats which were these step-shaped kind of pyramid-shaped worship structures with stairways going up to the top. And at the top is where the deity would have been. So this is probably kind of what's happening in the vision that Jacob has, except in this case, God's on at the top. He's actually come down. He's right there on the ground beside Jacob and and speaking to him. So what what he's promised there is basically that, hey, I'm here with you. This is the gate of heaven because this is where this is where I have promised to be for you. This is where I'm gonna where I'm gonna speak to you. And there's sort of a, uh, sort of a, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, there's there, there's a, what the way it's portrayed is sort of a, a, a an attack against some of the other constructions of, of of how God appeared. For instance, Babylon. The name Babylon itself is supposed to mean the gate of the gods or the gate of heaven. -hmm. Well, here, what does Jacob say when he wakes up? He says, "Well, this is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So, this is where God Mm -hmm. has the true God has appeared to Jacob and promised him these these blessings." Now, if you go further afield, if you go like into some of the interpretations in the first century of the Jews, they thought that there was a there was an image of God. I mean, excuse me, there was an image on the divine throne, and that image was of Jacob. So, what the angels were doing is they were going down to look at Jacob's face so they could go back up and compare it to the image it was on the divine throne
0: so how that's that's what I think caught me off guard sorry to stop you no no yeah where are they getting where where is that coming from why would that
1: why would yeah where would would there be why yeah
0: (laughs) why Chad why I
1: I wish I knew I wish I knew no I I really don't know where that where that idea came from uh but uh yeah, that, that was a, it was written into some of the, the Targums, which were Aramaic paraphrases of the Old Testament. Okay. So it surfaces there as well as in some other writings, such as a, a Genesis commentary called Bereshit Rabbah. Uh, so okay. it's recorded in, in various places in these Jewish traditions. So some people think that in John 1, when Jesus says to, uh, to Nathaniel, uh, oh, you're going to see, you're going to see greater things than this. You're going to see the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. What he's kind of alluding to is that interpretive tradition. He's saying, Oh no, you, you, it's not Jacob's face that's on the divine throne. It's mine. I am the image of God. Hmm. I am the representative of the Father. And so the angels of angels ascending and descending are connected with me and not with not with Jacob. Okay. Which is an, interesting. Uh, one more little tidbit about that. When, when, yeah. when Nathanael comes up, what does Jesus say? He says, behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile or in whom there is no deceit. Well, what was Jacob known as? He was the deceiver. He was full of guile. Deceiver. So I wonder if that's yeah. another little, uh, little hint that connection, we're, connection between Genesis and, and what's happening in John one.
0: I think you said this in the book too, that angels, the angels. I mean, this is, uh, based on Jesus's words, descending and ascending on, on Jesus. Yes. Right. Yes. That's also interesting and kind of flies in the face of what we think of when we think of a stairway to heaven as God standing up there and waiting for us to, to ascend.
1: Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. There's the whole, uh, the whole stairway theology where you got to like work your way up to God and climb the stairs up to God. Listen, if if you want to talk about stairs, okay. The stairs is Jesus. He's, (laughs) he's a stairway. You don't like, you don't climb from his big toe up to the top of his head. Uh, He is it. So he's the first step and the last step toward heaven. He's the, he is the only, the only, uh, the only connection that we, that we have to, to the father.
0: Yeah. Amazing. I think another thing that this is just another connection that you made when you're so good at doing this in limping with God was the par is the parallel between Jacob's words, uh, when he's reunited with Joseph. And this is obviously at the end of his life. Um, the comparison between those words and Simeon's words, when he sees uh, Mm. Jesus for the first time in Luke 2, what is the significance there of that, of that connection? Um, I think you just talk about the fact that the, the words are very similar.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, They're uh... so Simeon is able to hold baby Jesus in the temple and says, nor Lord, now you can let your servant depart in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation. You know, I've been waiting all this time. I mean, I'm—we don't know how old Simeon was, but his words connote that he was an older man. So I've been waiting all this time, uh, and here now I hold in this child the promise of God in the flesh. And here you have Jacob, who for all these years has thought that Joseph was dead, and uh, you know what Tolkien would call a eucatastrophe—the a sudden turn of events mm-hmm. where you think all hope is lost, and all of a sudden, no, hope is like full in full blossom. Now he hears his son is alive and not just alive, but he's ruler of all Egypt, of all things. So when they're reunited, there is this, there's this, this joining together of a father and son in a moment that Jacob's able to say, basically now I can die in peace because I've, I've, I've been, I'm able to touch this, this one that I, I thought I would never be able to see again. And so there's this parallel between this, this, uh, this unexpected change of events where hope is actually placed placed in our grasp, literally he holds mm-hmm. Joseph his son, and then he uh, Simeon holds Jesus in his arms and so both are just uh, wonderful emotionally laden scenes where you see someone who really didn't think that they would ever come to the point where they were and yet now here they are uh, and yeah. and and all of a sudden. Life takes on a a whole new kind of perspective at that at that time.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting too. I I don't know. I always assume Simeon was this very faithful man of God, and Jacob, (laughs) I I really maybe not not so much. Yeah, (laughs) well, and he's so he's such an interesting character because there we talk. You know, people talk all the time about um the life of a Christian being one of 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 suffering, of, of hardship, but life in general, Mm. that's what, what, what it is. Um, but I don't think we're as quick to talk about the fact that we actively, even as believers push against faith, we don't always want it. Mm. And yet God, you know, opens our hands and he forces it into our hands. And I think Jacob's such a beautiful picture of that because he's just, at every turn and you know we i i laugh at him we laugh but yeah, we're yeah. the same way um trying to turn our backs on god and yet he's he continues to turn us towards him have you found that to be to be true oh
1: yeah yeah it reminds me of i recently read the book a severe mercy uh a guy okay. a guy recommended it to me it's a it's a story of loss. a loss about it's about a man who uh it's the love of his life. And she ends up, she ends up dying and his struggle. They became Christians together out of atheism. They knew C.S. Lewis. And, hmm. and, you know, at, at one point after her death, he, uh, he's kind of a, he's in a really, really bad spot. He, he like goes out into the country to a place there where he and his, his wife used to go. And he basically says, and I, I tried to, I tried to unbecome a Christian, basically. <laughs> like I tried oh, wow. to, you know, I tried to say, I don't believe any of this. Forget it. It's not true. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, I just couldn't do it i just couldn't do it huh. i i i couldn't i couldn't leave christ uh and i think things like that are happening all the time you know where god is just basically we're running away from him and he's like oh no 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna chase you down and bring you back uh it, it happens with jacob it happens with us uh it's happened in my life uh multiple times where you can't get away because i mean to use my favorite instance of this psalm 23 goodness and mercy they don't follow us. They pursue us. Uh, they chase us hmm. down. It's the, the famous hound of heaven kind of imagery where no matter where you go, no matter how you might try and get away from him, no matter how far astray you might, you might go, you always got God on your heels and he's always bringing you back. And he's yeah. always like, no, 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 no. I've got more stuff to give you. I've got more good gifts to give you. Yeah. Uh, I, I love you too much yeah. to, to let you go. Uh, and, and thank God for that. Uh, because you know, if it was up to me to stay on the straight and narrow Uh, and, and, you know, and, and find my way back. If I got lost, forget it. Woe is me. (laughs) I'd be doomed. Yeah. But we have a God who who pursues us, who brings us back, uh, who searches for the lost sheep and takes us back to the fold.
0: Absolutely. Amen. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great place to end. Thank you so much, Chad, for your time. Um, as always, I love getting to chat and, um, learning from you and gaining your your wisdom and insight so thanks thanks for the time
1: enjoyed it appreciate it
0: outside ourselves is a 1517 podcast to learn more about all of our podcasts go to 1517.org forward slash podcast and if you haven't been on our site i encourage you to spend a little bit of time poking around thank you as always for watching for listening uh for reviewing outside ourselves i've so enjoyed getting started on this project and have been so encouraged by by those who listen and respond. Uh, so thank you.